every day is a rough day in, in pandemic work life these days. But uh, no, look, I'm enjoying life. It's despite, you know, not being able to do much. I don't know. I think I'm blessed. I've got uh, two kids who are pretty reasonable um, yeah. in their approach to to uh, us, which is always nice. And just, you know, what they're doing um, as well. So it's kind of a, a good place to be right now with the kids. Uh, really enjoying that part of it. But also, like everyone else, looking forward to getting out there and doing things, right? For sure. And it's funny, anyone who hasn't spent some time in the last year reading the Stoics um, has missed an opportunity because this is a this is one of those great obstacles that there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. And, and I see a lot of people railing about hating the rules and hating this. And it's like, but we're not going to change those. So so uh, look at what you can look at what you can affect and affect that and look at the things you can't affect and accept them. Right. Yeah. Make the most of it. Right. That's they teach you that in sport. You, you know, yeah. take what you're given and yeah. uh, obstacles, you know, <laughs> obstacles and obstacle sport racing is, is all about that. Right. Yeah. That's why you do it. That's why a lot of people kind of jump into it. It's about uh, dealing with the unexpected, not about what you can control. So that's what that's we're actually, dealing with. That's actually one of the things. That's things I loved about old school. I know we're still sort of preambling as as people roll in. Hey, y'all! But um, you know, back in my first iteration as a, a Spartan race director and quality management, I, I that was when the the motto was very much "You'll know at the finish line." And like, mm -hmm. we, we didn't post maps beforehand. And, you know, the idea was, it's kind of from the old death race mindset. If you don't know when it starts, you don't know when it ends. You don't know what you'll do. Yeah. You know, we, we at least told you when it started and you figured out when it ended, but you still didn't know what you did. <laughs> now, obviously as a sport, it's a little different where, uh, where pe people have uh, setups in their backyard so they can train. So they kind of need to know. I, I, I yeah. did a huge kerfuffle in 2017, I guess when um, we were short an obstacle and we were at uh, Highlands Nordic where they happened to have um, a disc golf course. So I reeled in the disc golf baskets and uh, uh, at the, the last thing before the finish line was a disc golf throw. And uh, people were livid because they don't know how to throw a disc. You know, I've been training for this in my backyard for the last six months. For, fortunately, it did not affect the finishing order, partly because Ryan Atkins can do everything and he hit the disc. If he'd missed the disc, <laughs> the next one, if he'd missed the next one, it, it would have been a Oh man, I'd have had my hell to pay. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone missed except for him. Um, yeah, yeah. That was a, well, that was a fun event. He hit it, and then two and three both missed. I knew that my yeah. podium for at least the men was secure, right? <laughs> I, I don't think at the end of the day it did affect any podium positions, but um, but but I I, I did fall back on my uh, OG cred as uh, hey, you'll know at the finish line, even though that has sort of morphed. <laughs> that was truly the case. Well, Johnny, thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm Tom Patrician, folks. I'm here with Dave Klotzen and Johnny Waite. Uh, we're here talking today about uh, Spartan, Spartan Race Canada and their schedule. Um, Johnny, uh, for those of you who don't know him, um, is a uh, second time operations manager with Spartan Canada, third time back with Spartan Canada, um, but has been involved with Spartan um, US and international for numerous years, um, has taken breaks and is now back officially in the capacity of the operations manager for Spartan Canada. So welcome, uh, Johnny. Glad to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be back. And like you mentioned, I've sort of been around for a long time. I did the first Spartan race in Canada as a participant, got reeled into the death race world after that, where I sort of cut my teeth as a racer and a, and a director. And then um, my first stint in Spartan was as quality management. So as it was starting to expand into all these new countries, because at first it was Canada, the US and the UK, and then it went into Eastern Europe and then into Mexico and then Australia. I got um, hired on as the um, quality manager. So that was really cool going in all those new markets and seeing it explode all around the world and trying to maintain some standards. And um, yeah, then uh, 
I did that 12, 13, or sorry, 13, 14, 15, took 16 off, uh, came back 17, 18, 19 uh, with the last licensee in Canada to be the race director and really enjoyed that. Um, and I do feel that we did a great job of sort of elevating the races during those years and uh, sort of bringing Canada forward. But um, the hard part is that Canada has never been able to be all the way caught up to the U.S. just because of scale. You know, uh, the U.S. has 50, 60 races a year and, uh, and can, can go year round because you've got southern climates as well. And in Canada, we have a shorter race season and this crazy geography of east and west where, you know, it was uh, impractical to be bringing stuff all the way back and forth across the country and maintain a schedule. So there are always so many compromises made out of necessity. The licensees just couldn't afford to put on the full show of Spartan. And because of the proximity of Canada to the U.S., it was glaring. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you went mm -hmm. to a race in um, Slovakia and it wasn't entirely up to the standard of the race that you're at here, it didn't seem quite as glaring because you hadn't just gone from Montana to Alberta to Seattle to Vancouver and can compare them like that. So there's a lot of pressure for Canada to... Um, to be on par with the states and and I, I understand from a racer perspective why that's important because you really do want to have the same product but i also have had a very clear view from a licensee standpoint why it wasn't always feasible and why it was very very difficult and challenging um and and i think that licensees to their credit have always done as good a job as they could of maintaining fairly high standards um you know certainly safety and and and, and course difficulty and things like that were always there but just in terms of uh, not being able to provide all the obstacles and all the bells and whistles that, that come along with the U.S. event. So this time around, the U.S. decided to actually take it in-house. Um, so um, it's all being sort of decisions are being made out of, out of Boston and Canada doesn't have a separate licensee. We're, we're like the U.K. is where we're, we're operated by the U.S. But there are some familiar faces on the ground up here. Myself, uh, Nick Bertrand is still our construction manager, Bear. Everyone knows Bear. Mm -hmm. And uh and so it's hopefully the best of both worlds where we have the full support of the U.S. Uh, machine and behemoth, but, um, but local representation as far as um, getting the job done here on the ground. So, yeah, so that, yeah. That, that's the long version of what I'm doing now. And, and, and uh, for the first time, and for the first time, that includes both Spartan race as well as Tough Mudder. Yeah, well, that's an interesting dynamic, right? Because um, with uh, Spartan having um, bought Tough Mudder I, last year, the tail end of the year before, I guess, it's really awesome in that um tough mutter still exists as its own entity like it's not like it's disappeared or it's just been absorbed by spartan it's not being watered down at all it is very much a completely separate brand but there's so much opportunity to work with each other you know like where it used to be that they they would intentionally put races on close to each other to try and uh you know be the one who won and now we we want tough mutter to succeed and spartan to succeed so there's shared resources back and forth shared calendars and um yeah and making sure that uh, racers in Canada have the opportunity to do as many of both of those events as possible, which is which is fantastic. And I'm very excited to be part of that brand too in a, in a supporting role. Well, yesterday um, when we when we caught up briefly, you mentioned that uh, there were some announcements coming out um, yeah. regarding the schedule. Yeah. Um, so both with um, Spartan as well as Tough Mudder, but uh, and I know there was a flurry of emails sent to those folks who have registered for the early events coming up in uh, May and June in uh, Quebec and Ontario. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, what's the schedule looking like for you guys right now? Because let's face it, we're still in lockdown for, yeah. uh, for a lot of us across the country. Um, it feels very difficult to kind of, you know, see two months in advance, never mind four or five, six months. So what, how are you guys looking at the, uh, the schedule for this year? And what are those major changes that you guys are foreseeing at this point? 
Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of part answer. First of all, everyone saw the first Spartan race of the year happen in Jacksonville uh, last weekend, which is awesome. It went up very, very well. Garfield and his team did a spectacular job. Curiously, the last three North American Spartan races have all been in Jacksonville because <laughs> that's the last place they had one before the world shut down. They managed to squeeze one in May of last year, and then uh, it was where they relaunched this season. Uh, so um, good, good on them. That's fantastic. Um, Canada is a lot more um, uh, careful, or I, I say conservative, not in a political term, uh, but um, in terms of uh, Florida is a test case where they were allowed to do a race and they did it and they still followed the most stringent COVID guidelines. So even things that they didn't have to do in Florida, they still did in Florida. I know their next race in uh, Texas or one of the next races in Texas, Texas just announced go nuts, you know, no masks, no anything. Spartan is still having masks, still having social distancing. And, and so in Canada, we're going to be following the strictest protocols that we can. And the reason for for that is that even say, for example, Ontario were to say, we're gonna be more uh, permissive on what you can do as far as numbers of people and things like that than, um, than Alberta. We, we want Alberta to look what we're doing in Ontario and say, we want them to come here. Does that make sense? So, so all mm -hmm. of our planning for the season is kind of assuming the worst on the COVID front and being ready to, to um, adapt to that. Um, but the, the direct answer to the schedule is we had to make some pretty significant changes. The first thing being to drop the first two events of the year, um, because we spoke with the, uh, the, the uh, partners, the, the venues, and they just didn't have any confidence level, nor did we, that we'd be able to get permits for May races. So we sat down and said, if we're going to do that, we really have to look at the whole schedule. Because for example, we were canceling our Quebec race and our other race on the border of Quebec and there wasn't another one later in the year. And that's not viable to not have a Spartan race in Quebec. I mean, that's one of our absolute best, most long-term loyal markets. Um, so we had to see where we could pull from somewhere to have a race in Quebec. So our objective was this, get our core product out there, make sure that we're delivering it in a way that is, um, is quality and getting it to as many people as we can. And so we said, okay, we've got a couple of races out west, We've got a couple of races in the East. We got to make sure we get a race in, in, in Quebec. How are we going to do this? So um, the email went out yesterday. Normally I wouldn't be talking about this because there hasn't been the big announcement, the big social media announcement, things like that yet on it. But there was an email went out yesterday to registered racers that said, guys, this is what's happening. And I know the minute that one goes out, everyone's talking, it's all over the place. So there's no secrets anymore. And my philosophy has always been um, to get out in front of everything because we do a lot of things right and sometimes we do things wrong and like for example I've had um, race issues where you know I've had a problem at a race that I've organized and there's been some legitimate racer feedback that they weren't happy about it so I've come on a program like this and said I want to take that one right on the right in the <laughs> right in the chin and uh, and and it's the same with this I think we're doing this right but I want to explain to people why rather than everyone have their own theories and then we try and apologize for it later so this is the schedule um, there's not a race in May in Quebec. There's not a race in May in Ottawa. There is a race in Toronto in June. Uh, it's exactly the same as it was on the schedule. Um, now, somebody said to me the other day, well, didn't Toronto just announce no public events until July? That's Toronto proper. Um, you know, the city of Toronto is not doing any major events until July. We're in Durham, outside of Toronto. Um, I've spoken with Brimacombe, you know, they're making their plans for their summer camps, things like that. So we're all acting on the assumption that we are going to be able to have a race in June. And Tom, you and I talked a bit yesterday about the idea that um, th there does seem to be some really promising news on the vaccination front where 
two weeks ago, it looked like Canada was going to be at the tail end of every line for vaccines, and everyone was assuming the worst that we wouldn't be vaccinated till the fall. And now every time you, you look at the news, there's another one that's been approved, or there's somehow um, we've uh, managed to buy more from overseas. And, and I really do think that it is going to start to turn to the better where we're maybe a, further ahead of the schedule. So uh, June in Toronto, yes. July in Golden BC, yes. Uh, August in Red Deer, yes. So those three are unchanged and that's awesome. And we're stoked about that. The next one, and it did get canceled, is Whistler. And the reason for that is because we've got an event in BC, we've got an event in Alberta, we have to have an event in Quebec, and that's really the only slot that it would work. So we've canceled the, um, the Whistler race, and then we're bringing everything back across the country to get it to um, Quebec. And I'll talk about that. We'll, we'll bookmark that when I say we'll bring it all back across the country. As anyone who knows behind the scenes, we used to have two trailer sets for the East and the West because this crazy geography of Canada. Um, because we want to bring all the obstacles to all the racers, we've put it onto one six truck set instead of two, three truck sets. So the stuff we're bringing back forth across country is crazy. We'll talk about that, the new obstacles, things like that. But um, uh, so that's when we're coming back across country. Uh, we're going to support the Tough Matter event in Toronto in um, September, which means we're going to have our Quebec event on October 2nd. And that one, um, it's uh, venue TBD. Uh, Nick's working hard on finding his venue. I say Nick because uh, he's francophone. I, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he is as bilingual as I am unilingual. Uh, that, guy, that guy's great. So um, anyway, but yeah, we are working on a, on a venue, um, ideally uh, very close to Montreal and a perfect world will be on the west side of Montreal to sort of help the people who are losing a race in Ottawa. Um, and then the end of October, we've got a race at Blue Mountain. And, uh, and that one's such a great venue. Anyone who knows Blue Mountain, it was the site of OCW, OCRWC a few years ago. So a lot of people were there for that. It's like a mini Tahoe. I mean, it's got the great uh, formerly Interwest Village. Uh, it uh, has awesome elevation, awesome terrain. And as a race director, I'm very excited because usually when you're working with a mountain venue, it's a pain in the butt. I mean, like it's so hard to get up and down those hills with your machinery and your radios don't work half the time because they're, they can't bounce over that, that hill. Blue Mountain is really cool because, I mean, it's it's about a thousand feet of elevation, so you've got some really cool climbs and ups and downs. It's got amazing wooded uh, mountain bike type terrain that we can be running through, but there's nowhere that we can't get with machinery, and there's nowhere that we don't have radio coverage. So we can put on a much, I don't want to say a safer race because our races are always safe, but it's easier to put on that safe race, and and we can put on some more interesting build locations because we can get to them, um, and. Uh, for APRE and things like that, it's as good as anywhere in the world as far as the, the restaurants and the, the patios and the, the village. And, and by the end of October, I think we'll be fully able to utilize all that, which is great. And then the last change is we did cancel the, uh, the winter Quebec race. And the reason for that is that, like I said, we just want to focus on our core product. We want to make sure that we're putting on the best races that we can. And behind the curtain, we're going to lose money on all those races this year because most of the races are coming from deferred credits from last year. So, you know, that was money that came into Spartan last year that um, just even keep the lights on. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of that isn't, isn't there for the races this year. And so the races are expensive as ever to produce. In fact, even a little bit more with some of the COVID protocols and things like that. Um, we're honoring all those deferred credits from last year, of course. We're definitely bringing on new racers, but not, you know, the, the numbers that we would if we didn't have all these deferred racers. And so... 
these five events we know we can put on, we can do a great job on them. We know we can staff them. Everything's going to be amazing. The, the winter race was very much a new product for us. We haven't done winter races in Canada. The idea was, hey, let's do it. Now that feels like a bit of a luxury this year to go and put on a race that's inherently going to have a lower registration, inherently going to be a bit tougher to produce at the end of what's going to be an incredibly challenging year. So we decided we're going to revisit everything for 2022. So 2021, we're going to put on five amazing, awesome races at great venues um, with good representation in the West and Ontario and Quebec. Um, Maritimes and, uh, and uh, central provinces, someday we're going to get to you guys. We keep trying. We really do. You know, we've, uh, we've, we've floated it. We've, we've looked at different ways to get there. Um, but uh, but in, in 2022, that's when we're going to come back and say, okay, now we're going back to a full schedule, you know, eight to 10 Spartan races. I know Tough Mudder is going to branch out from their one in Toronto this year to more like three or four um, in uh, 2022. And we will be looking at things like stadium races and, um, and uh, winter races and all the things we want to bring. And that was a big part of why Spartan Race brought it back in-house in the U.S. Because licensees were always a little bit challenged to match that kind of product. And, and, and Spartan said, we want the Canadians to have that kind of product. So we're going to bring it in-house and we're going to do it. And then, boom, get hit with COVID where you've got a year with no races whatsoever. And now we're going to a year that's going to be extra challenging to, to put them on, but we're going to do it. Um, but the objective is the exact same to, to get to where we can do it all. I know from that a, a little answer. <laughs> well, it's very eloquent. I know from a user experience, there's always been the, the question mark of why races in Canada, why we don't have stadium races, yep. why they're not at the same level as the American races, whether it just be you know, the, uh, the venues or the types of obstacles or even the, the weights of the obstacles compared to sure. what we'd experience in the U.S. for those who travel, right? So obviously that, that's a big part of transitioning this year for Spartan Race. Yeah, yeah, big time. And, and it really is a standardization. So anything that, like, for example, um, with the license model in the past, you know, it'd be Hercules Hoist. And and other markets like Canada would say, cool, we're going to make a Hercules choice. We're not going to make it the exact same way you do. And the problem with that is that the U.S. thinks these things through with an eye on and how can we then modify it? So, for example, monkey bars, um, their monkey bar set was also able to then very quickly turn into Twister, right? Because it was adapted, whereas we created a, a, a steel frame uh, platinum rig monkey bars, which was great. But then we couldn't just adapt it. So, um and, and then also to carry the number of obstacles back and forth across the country wasn't feasible uh, for the licensee. But this year, I'm going to tell you the six new obstacles that we have. And uh, I, I thought I was going to try and sort of describe each of them to you. I'm going to say them and then, and then let people go online and figure out what they are because you can find videos for all of them because they all exist in the States. Um, but uh, we're going to have um, Twister, which we, did, we haven't had Canada, but, but it's, that's an easy ad. Um, beater, which is not unlike Twister, but it uh, shifts everything uh, perpendicularly, which is pretty cool. Um, vertical cargo net is now going to have the shelf, so it, um, it it changes up the uh, the dynamic of that obstacle. We've got a great one called Helix, which is similar to a um, a traverse wall, but uh, it requires a lot more contorting. It's a pretty cool thing. Um, pipe layer, which I think of as kind of being like the laser scene in whatever the movie that. Um, Oh, Catherine, what's her name? Had to, had to go through between all the lasers. It requires uh, lots of twisting and turning and, and uh, mm -hmm. getting you through that. And then the box, 
so 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 far those are the obstacles that we've added and um so it's it's at least six brand new obstacles and one amended obstacle with the um vertical cargo net and so it is going to be a much more um parallel experience to the u.s and then the other things that that they, they don't seem like big things but they actually are like for example in the u.s they have a dedicated mc for you know the start line finish line and then they've got a dedicated um dj who's making sure that the energy's up and things like that and we've never had that luxury in canada where you know uh, uh either one person's been doing both or the or the music's just sort of put on auto and uh and this year we're, we're, we're doing that whole show now the other thing that i want to mention with that that's a, a challenge is again the whole covid thing because in the past the objective has been have such a great festival experience that nobody wants to leave the only problem that sometimes creates it is the parking. But, um, but when people get their start of the day, if they race early in the day, you want them there cheering and having fun and enjoying the beer garden and high-fiving their friends and maybe jumping in and volunteering in the afternoon. And I know that with um, uh, caps on number of people at venues, um, that for example, at Jacksonville, they didn't have a kid's race and they didn't have um, spectators because they had to stay to their, their cap. And so, for example, if we get into a situation in Canada where they say you can have a 2,000 person event, well, we can't have half of that be spectators and another half be parents of kids and not room for the racers. So, so if that's the case, then we have to get into um, how do we get people in for their race and back out, which isn't our objective. Our objective is to have the music pounding and have everyone high five and have the fire jump high all day and things like that. Um, and and. And we're working right now on the operating assumption that we can put on the races exactly the way we want to put them on. Obviously, wherever there's a requirement from a government standpoint to say, no, you can only have this many people, we have to figure out how to make that work. You know, how do we have that many people and still get everyone through for the race and still provide the whole product? So, um, so there's a lot of planning going on right now and contingency planning. And so, for example, I really do think that October race, it should just be full tilt. By October, we really should be where, you know what, just do your thing, go and have fun. Uh, the June race, will we, be, will we be wearing masks? Absolutely wearing masks. Will we be, um, will we be dealing with uh, having to figure out how many people we can have in the venue at one time? Almost certainly. And um, yeah, so I, and then the other thing that I, I, I just want to mention to people that um, I know that people have different opinions on COVID and on mitigation and on masks, on all these other things and on vaccinations and whatever else. I'm not worried about the politics of any of it. Like, I don't, I don't care what my opinion is or your opinion or anyone else's opinion is that. What I care is what do we have to conform to to put on races? So for example, I know, and I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but that uh, in Texas, they've said, you don't have to have anything. Stores can do whatever they want. Nobody has to wear a mask, that's fine. And some people are like, yes, finally, that's great. I know Spartan is still going to have masks and everything at that event because Massachusetts is going to be watching what happens in Texas and California and uh, Washington state are going to watch what happens in Texas. And so we really want to be able to say, look, we're following the most stringent guidelines for this point in time um, so that we're welcome anywhere that we go. I'm going to jump in there, Johnny, and actually you should be really proud of yourself because this is the longest I've shut up in my life. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been this quiet this long. Anyway, um, I'm processing a lot of questions here that people sure. have for us. So um, the first one I'm going to deal with is a bit of a, a financial question. So when you have people that are registered for both Ottawa and Montreal, and that's going to be combined into, you know, to the one race scenario, yeah. 
how will they be dealing with transfers? Will they get an extra race for the other races? And will it cost them to transfer that? No, that, that's a great, great question. And I'll tell you what I know so far and what I'm advocating for. So I actually saw that exact question come across on our, our um, channel yesterday. And uh, because we have positioned it that um, the new Quebec race is really to replace Ottawa and Montreal. And so they're being transferred into that race. And, you know, they can then, if they can't go to that race, they can say, no, I'd like to use that race credit for somewhere else. So say somebody lives in um, uh, Kingston and uh, they were going to go to the Ottawa race and they say that weekend in Quebec doesn't work for me, but I really want to go to blue and I wasn't registered for that yet. I know they are going to be able to, to move their credit to a different race if they want to. But back to your specific question about so I'm super eager. I'm your perfect customer. You know, I, I signed up for both Montreal and Quebec and you've canceled them both and told me now I get to go to one. Yes, technically what's happening is there's going to be two race credits show up for them for that race. They then have the option to say, I'm going to move one of them somewhere else. So I'm not going to um, use them both there. Or they could transfer it to someone else and say, great, I'm going to bring my buddy who I've always been trying to get to race and I'm going to make him come and use this credit. The part that I can't answer yet, but I'm advocating for is, will there be service charges for that? Um, I don't think there should be. Um, and I know that, that Spartan's trying to be fair on these things and, uh, and that there's all kinds of conversations going on there about how do we do this? So, um, so yeah, in, in a perfect world, what should happen is you should be able to move that credit to another race and not have a charge to do that. Can I promise that's the case? Um, no, only because that's above my pay grade and I don't know the answer to that right now. But I do know that that's the conversation that's happening is 100% um, is for sure make it so they can do it. And then, and then there's definitely a, a, a strong camp suggesting that it, that it not have a fee attached to it because this is outside of people's control, obviously. Yeah. Is, that, is that a fair answer? Yeah, very fair. That's good. That's, I mean, honestly, some of these questions you're going to be be able to answer. Some of them you're not because some are just, again, out of your realm of expertise and some just don't make any sense whatsoever. But, um, <laughs> yeah, keep going. Let's, let's hear more questions. I like this. So in your list of obstacles that you went off, and quite frankly, for me, I'm very excited about that because that has been a long complaint of mine that we've been missing some of the obstacles. Yeah. Um, and so it's great, great to see. But one obstacle that was missing from that list, and actually it was very big this weekend in Jacksonville, yeah. is the 400-pound tire. Yeah, so um, that's a great question. So I was actually talking with Nick about that today, about what we're doing about tire flip. And, um, and it is funny when you say that about, um, uh, Tom, you mentioned about the, uh, the, the weight differences, you know, like instead of a 120 pound sandbag, it'd be a 90 pound sandbag. And you'd say, well, well, why is this? It's not like Canadians aren't as strong as, uh, as Americans. And, uh, and I think part of it in, in past years was a flow issue that, um, you know, in the States where they would have, um, 32 lanes at their uh, Hercules hoist and we'd have 16, you just couldn't have people spending as long doing it. And so there'd be some, accommodations for that to keep things flowing and not have those great big lineups. Um, but this year, absolutely anything that is the standard in the States is the standard in Canada. Tire flip is an interesting one because that is such a cool obstacle. And I know that that was actually, uh, there was a long call today about that because there were way more men have ever failed the tire flip in Jacksonville than ever did before. And it was because it was rainy and misty and the tires were slick and everything else are trying to figure it out. Um, but Yokohama is a great sponsor in the States and, and they provide the tires and they deliver the tires and to have, you know, it would essentially be a full trailer additional just to take tires race to race. So I'm working hard to get us a similar situation where we have the tires um, uh, sponsored and it's not the cost of the tires. It's the getting the tires to and from events and, the, and, uh, and, and position them and everything else. 
So uh, in Canada in the past, um, you know, I, I also go back to the, the, the early days, the wild, wild west, where it wasn't quite as um, uniformly competitive. And I think that that's really what's been Spartan success is that it has positioned itself as a sport. And, and in a sport, you can't have one person flipping a 320-pound uh, tire and one person flipping a 280-pound tire and one person flipping a 370-pound tire that all kind of look the same. And that is what it was. You know, you have the red X on the, the, uh, the men's ones and the, the pink X on the ladies' ones or whatever it was. Um, and that was okay when it was mud runs. Like back in the day when it was you just out there to get your Facebook picture and your medal and then your, you know, which was awesome. And that was the start of the sport. But then as it became more of a sport and not just a, an event, um, obviously we have to standardize things. So the answer is um, if we do have tires, which I hope we will, they will be the same standard as the US as far as uh, weight goes. Um, uh, can I promise that we'll have them? Uh, at this point, I can't because we don't have that sponsorship deal like they do yet. Um, but uh, we're definitely exploring that exact sponsorship deal. And if we don't get that, what other ones we could have? Awesome. Um, okay, another question. To your knowledge, and this might this might change as the season progresses, are you going to have the water obstacles such as dunk wall and uh, rolling mud? Yeah, great, great question. So um, uh, in the planning, I know that was one of the first things that they were pulling out in the, in the U.S. in terms of saying um, uh, th there's two issues with that. One, one is, you know, when they didn't really know exactly what was going on with, with trans, transmission, it was the idea, is it a good idea to put a whole bunch of people into the same water and have them come out of the same water? Um, I don't know if that's as big an issue. The other one that actually is, is that that's always one that there's a big, we're looking to, to not have people stopping in the same spot. So everyone gets the water and half of them stop. And, and it, this isn't necessarily the elite waves. Keeping in mind that there's two whole different animals, right? The elite wave, they're in, they're out, they're gone. The open wave, you know, they stand and they huddle and they wait for their friends to get there. And they go, oh, are we getting in? This is cold. I'm not saying all of them, but you know, th that does happen. And then when they get out, they're standing there, they're getting the water off. And we're just trying to not have a whole bunch of people standing near each other at the same time. So um, I know that right now, one of the considerations is not having um, the rolling mud and, and the water, but that's not written in stone. Um, but, but certainly that is, that is a conversation. And the other hard thing with it is we're planning for a, uh, you know, a five month season that starts three months from now based on what we know today and who knows what the situation is going to be later. So, um, so, but, but the hard thing is we have to make our planning well in advance. We've got to do our budgeting and figure out our machinery, um, expectations and our staffing, you know, are we hiring somebody who's a dig expert or aren't we? And, um, so, uh, so some of that stuff could change. Yeah, it's definitely a floating target. That's for sure. I mean, that's why I don't. I don't expect you to be, especially for your concern. Please, please don't use floating and water when you're talking to a race director, because that makes me think of a body. <laughs> we'll call it moving target. Say though, okay, moving say target. Though, for, for a lot of people, we're just anxious to race. If you're, if you love exactly. this, or if you just like to get out there with your buddies and your friends, and you know, roll around in the mud. Yeah. Everyone just wants to get out of that damn house and be yeah. able to go to a race. So I don't and, think you'd have a think, lot of complaints from people whether yeah. there was an obstacle or not this year. Uh, but for you guys, obviously, a, you know, you're trying to build a brand again. Exactly. And, but it's a, totally, it's a totally fair question, though, right? Because people want to know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And if they, if they come in expecting, of course, there's going to be that, and there isn't, then there's a disappointment. So I'm really glad to be asked these questions because I'm going to give honest expectations. And, you know, and, and on that one right now, that's a big 
part of what we're looking at, at at not having is is the water obstacles. Is it because we don't want them? Oh my God, I love them. They're my favorite. You put it right beside the beer garden, and then everyone's going out of the, the rolling mud, like in Collingwood and in Red Deer. Those are the best uh, rolling muds. Um, but again, this year. Um, we just want to get you racing. We want to get you racing safely. We want to give you a good competitive, awesome experience. And if there are some things that are then brought back full tilt for 2022, so be it. Um, but the key is to get you out there racing. So th thanks for mentioning that. No problem. You also, um, you also touched on safety protocols. Obviously, yeah. there are more because of the pandemic at this yeah. point. Um, is there anything else that you guys are bringing in that's uh, you know new to the market um, that you hadn't done previously outside so of you know the hand sanitizer that you'll have to do in other elements. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one thing that um, I've pushed hard for, and it, and it looks like we do have, is um, is the uh, the fall mats. Because in, in Canada and in a lot of other markets, you know, it's always been straw and hay and, um, and sort of um, more temporary mitigation where we bring that in. Um, and, and I really think it's important as we're getting people going over things faster and harder and everything else that there's more opportunity for slipping. And so, um, so yeah, we expect to have um, uh, fall protection mats at all obstacles that require fall protection. Um, we, um, let me think, uh, the medical team, we've always had good medical in Canada. We, we really always have. Um, the team this year, I'm super, super confident in. And again, following um, all the American protocols as far as, uh, as far as how we do our medical. So from that standpoint, I think that it's gonna be um, even a step up from what we've had in the past. Um, beyond that, I'm trying to think of other things that um, from a safety standpoint, I, I, I do feel that, you know, in markets like Canada where we've had to make some compromises on some of the product offerings, we've tried really hard not to make compromises on safety and, you know, because obviously that's the baseline, you know, I have not, I've, I have yet to knock on all kinds of wood here, um, have a life altering situation. I've never had anyone severely injured or certainly die. And, um, and, uh, and it, it, it's, it's a risk sport, but, um, but we've always put safety front and center. And so, uh, but, but from a COVID standpoint, um, you know, there, there are certainly some things uh, like, you know, where um, uh, we're, we're not going to have, I, I know, for example, in the States, they didn't have um, change tents at this first event because they didn't want to create a situation where you're moving into somewhere where the airflow has stopped and you're breathing hard at the end of a race and you're standing beside each other. So, you know, from a customer service standpoint, of course, people love change tents. From a safety standpoint, I think it's something that people are definitely willing to give up to to be safe. Um, one of the things that actually uh, comes up, and this is something I had looked for before and really would hoped we would get here. And I guess now we're getting the questions that are a little more fun. Um, open houses. Any chance of open houses this year? Because, and like yeah. Tom says, everybody's excited to get out there. So I know they'd love to jump on right away. Yeah. So, so you mean like, like a Friday night kind of thing, like uh, the day before the race? And yeah. So, so again, um, a lot of the things that the U.S. does are now becoming the standard in Canada. So as the race director, it's like, oh, you guys do that? I guess I better find out how to do that. Um, but uh, one thing that actually ties into that is um, is Friday night trail runs, and I know that um, that a lot of the uh, the events actually have a Friday night 10k trail race, and the the trail event's awesome. Like I'm very excited about that because it's um, such a cool extra offering. I think a lot of people assume that what it would be was you run the the obstacle race and go to the obstacles, which seems a, like a weird thing to do. And I know that our, our trail design it's very much we're using the same start and same finish but getting you off that course as fast as we can and into totally different terrain where you're doing um, some awesome uh, um, hill running that, that isn't included in the obstacle race and awesome um, running along forested trails. And like, for example, a, a venue that we have so much opportunity that we haven't used before is um, at Brimacombe. 
in behind that um, pond, uh, Mark Rutherford, great guy, the manager at Brimacombe, and he pointed out, he said, dude, you have so much terrain there. And in the past, the reason we didn't use it is because we wanted to have that festival experience where as much as we could, we'd have you go out and come back and go out and come back and, and to go and do a, a, a 9K trail run um, where we didn't really have opportunities to build obstacles didn't, didn't fit that. So now we get, we have both. We have our, our you know, our, our traditional CR where you've got the outs and backs and then using all the train of the, the ski hill and, and everything else. But the opportunity to go and do a 10K trail run that is just absolutely gorgeous out along the pond and all through the woods and some stuff that we've never been able to do before. Um, so, so with some of those being Friday nights, it makes total sense to open houses on Friday nights. So the answer is, uh, is that uh, I agree with you. It's something we should do. And, uh, and that means uh, most likely it's going to happen. You know what else looks like a lot of fun on Friday nights is Spartan Cross. Just saying. Notice. <laughs> now that's one. It's funny. I actually had that conversation today. That's very much in beta. And Do it. <laughs> and, and there are some of these things that, uh, you know, they, they've just pulled that off for the first time in uh, Jacksonville. And um, uh, what I love by the end of the year to say we're doing a Spartan Cross beta at one of our events. Sure. Uh, will, will, will it be a standard offering this year? No, you know, that's very much something that's being developed and tweaked. And, you know, even that first one, I know on the call today, there was a lot of conversation about what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What are we going to do differently? And I think that in the past, um, one thing that's been a challenge for, for licensees is, you know, a new product comes out and it's like everyone adopted immediately, but then it, it does have to be changed and adapted and morphed and whatnot. And so, you know, you, you've, you've got everyone zigging when they zig and then They've already zagged by the time we zig and zag. And so I, I, I'm fully in support of the idea that they're going to iron out the bugs down there and then bring it up here. Um, so, 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 yeah, so that, that's what I'm going to be 100% uh, straight up and say, do not expect Spartan Cross in Canada this year unless it's towards the end of the year and it's, and it's a beta offering. Yeah, I was, I was hoping and I figured maybe something for 2022. I mean, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. I, you guys got a lot on your plate for this year. I, I would be, I would be shocked if we don't have it in 2022, for sure. All right. I'm yeah. holding you to that's for sure coming 2022. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah, I, yeah, totally. I'm shocked if we don't have it for sure. So you can shock me. That's what you can do. You can shock me if we don't have it. All right. Um, One of the other questions that a lot of us have been asking is, and, and again, might be very tough for you to answer, is a Canadian series likely? Yeah, there is. 100% there is. Um, uh, it's funny. I uh, I uh, answered somebody this earlier when I said, because it hasn't been officially announced, I can't tell you exactly what ones are going to be. I know that they're already discussing it with, um, you know, the pro team and things like that to, 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 to make sure that it, it works. Um, uh, I believe one of our objectives is to spread them out so they're not all back to back. And with five races, that gives you a pretty good idea what they're going to be. Uh, so, um, yeah, th there is for sure going to be a Canadian series. And, uh, and that'll be announced soon. And are we looking at like a, a three race series probably? Yeah, there, there'll be a sprint, a super and a beast. Yeah. So when we start doing the math, it's going to be pretty easy to figure that one out. Well, um, I think we could, I think we could probably tell what the beast is going to be. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll see. Year. We'll see. We, we, we have two great beast venues, right? So, uh, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But again, that's going to be officially announced soon. And um, I don't want to take any of the thunder away from that. And, uh, and things can change too in the meantime, right? So, uh, but as it stands, um, what I can say for sure is there is definitely a Canadian series and it is going to be a three race series. Okay. <laughs> Someone asked if you guys are hiring. Um, <laughs> well, no, no, actually, you know what? Legitimately we are. And I'll tell you where, where our challenge is with that this year is when our season is shorter than it's been and it also starts later and goes later, 
you know, in the past, if you're the US and you've got uh, 50, 60 races and you've got all these different zones, you can hire some full-time people and just move them around as you need them, right? And in Canada, we tended more towards the, the student uh, type hires for festival and build because our races went from the end of the university to the start of the university. We started uh, May 2-4 and ended um, on Labor Day. Uh, so this year, from a hiring standpoint, I've been doing some interviewing lately, and the one thing that's almost, um, that's what I'm looking for, not, not disheartening, but it make, make, makes me really feel for people because I'm looking at these resumes and realizing how many people right now are out of their normal work. I mean, we've got some incredibly overqualified people in the, uh, in the event industry because there's a lot of events just not happening. And so at least we're ahead of the curve now getting out there and hiring people. But also, um, you know, we're not offering full-time work this year because um, we have five races and, uh, and, and aren't in a position to. So we want to have amazingly skilled people who are in a position to come and work for five races a year and either fit that around their other gigs. So somebody who's self-employed and can pick their own schedule, which is awesome, or somebody who doesn't have work and this is a great opportunity for them. But we also have to understand that, uh, that you know, if, the, if their old work calls, comes knocking and has gone from full-time work, we may have to adapt. So the answer to that question is this. If, if you're somebody who um, particularly build is where we do still have a few positions available. And if there's somebody who thinks they'd be a great addition to the build team, um, uh, can look at the, that five race schedule and say, yeah, I could definitely work sort of the, the, the you know, the 12 day window around that um, and could commit to all five races and it works in their life, hundred percent reach out to me. Um, uh, you know, I, I think my Facebook link's probably in here. You, you can send me a Facebook message and just say, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm your guy. I, I know that we um, we've had incredibly encouraging calls this week. Like where I look at our, our potential kids team, kids race team and go, Oh my God, that's just a dream team. Like, you know, that, that's, you couldn't have better people. And some of the, um, the build hires that I, that, you know, Nick and I have interviewed so far, I've been like, these guys are guys and gals are amazing. Um, so, so the quality people are getting is great. Um, there are still a few spots available, certainly from a build standpoint. Awesome. Um, you're getting a lot of compliments here. Everybody's very happy you're back, by the way. You're a lot of <laughs> videos, so Thank you, can, you. you can take that as a bit of an ego stroke. Um, one more that. question about the uh, Canadian series. Um, will, the, will there be prize money equal to that of the series in the States? Because I remember in 2019, that was, that was going to be the, the next thing. Was, it was going to be on equal footing. You had a lot of the U.S. pros saying, oh, we're going to come up and race Canadian series because it's yes. equal prize money. I'm not sure if you know that, but... Well, so, so yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you a couple of things on that. So, um just a, a real quick uh, thing. So at the end of 2019, where I just worked three years for the licensee and, you know, we'd worked our butts off and put on great races, but I knew that the U S was going to come in and, and do things differently. And the reason at that time that I declined the opportunity to be the race director, as I said, out of necessity, I've had to learn how to do things uh, creatively. Right. And, and it was always Denise Mass's job to come and try and kick me in the butt to not do it exactly the way they did it. And, I, and I'd say, well, here's why I have to do it this way. And I said, I've got some bad habits that, that it's easier to me, for me to not unlearn those, right? So now, now the idea is um, they are standardizing everything. That's the objective. The objective is if it's A in the States, it's A in Canada. If it's B in the States, it's B in Canada. Um, and, and when I came back on, it was because with no races in, uh, in 2020 and, uh, and the race director they'd hired, great guy, but he didn't have a lot of racing experience. And this year looking like a very challenging year. They just said, let's just go back to basics. Let's just get somebody who, know, who knows our venues, who, uh, who know, knows what to do. And, and that, that's why I'm here. Um, and I really appreciate, by the way, I, I very much appreciate the, the kudos on, on people being glad that I'm back. Uh, uh, I, um, 
I do, I do pride myself on, on, on bringing positive energy to the events and, and taking it seriously and, and wanting to make sure that everyone is valued, whether it's um, the, uh, the pro racers, the elite racers, the age group racers, the, um, the open racers, all equally important to me. And, and I'll tell you, some of my favorite experiences are watching that last person come across the line. It's every bit as important as the first person across the line. So I think that, you know, any, any uh, love that I've managed to build up, it's because of that. So thank you all. Um, back to your initial question. It sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm fudging and trying not to answer it. I don't know the answer to that. I know that um, they have to look at all kinds of things this year. Um, I, I know that the intention, and I haven't heard otherwise, is that everything's going to be equal. Um, but I'm also going to be really um, logical about why there's been a difference in the past and explain why it may be a challenge to harmonize that. I mean, in uh, SoCal, you know, there'd be an 18,000 person weekend and they're paying in American dollars the same that we pay in Canadian dollars for our races here. It's pretty easy to pay out a big chunk of prize money at that race. You know, when you have a Canadian race that has 6,000 people over the course of the weekend and they're paying in Canadian dollars instead of US dollars, and then people say, hey, we, we want the same prize money, um, it's really, really hard. And, and as a business model, it's impossible. And so when it's been a licensee who, who is, you know, as much as they, they love the sport, they're also trying to do it as a business. And, and there just was not a business case to say, I'm going to pay that money. Because the other side of that is, does it get more people to come to the race? No, because there's only half a dozen people who have the opportunity to make that money anyway, right? And, and the state's a very, very competitive culture, and it's really driven this sport side of things, which is awesome. And we're certainly on board with that. But, um, but do 90% of the racers give a flying fadoodle if, uh, if there's more prize money? No, because it doesn't affect them. Um, do the pros have every right to expect that there would be equal? I totally understand their position. So, so it's a matter of balancing those two things out. So what, what I would say is that, um, uh, that I, th I think that what we could expect is that there will be more consistent prize money and there will be more fair prize money, maybe is a good word to use. Um, can I promise we'll be exactly on par with the states? Um, I, I can't promise that, I, but, I, but I, I truly don't know. Maybe the answer is yes, and, and I just don't know that yet, um, but that's not something I'm privy to at this point. Awesome. Um, this one actually just came in, and this is probably something more for the media staff, but uh, is there a list of the Canadian Spartan team members? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I've done a very intentional job of staying out of that, and the reason being... <laughs> I've become very close friends with some of them and I love them to death. Right. You know, and, and if someone were to say to me, Johnny, you need to pick the pro team. Uh, I, I'd, I'd really be challenged. So I know that they're in the process of that. I know that they had a call a little while ago with, um, with, uh, some of the, um, uh, the ones who've been on the pro team in the past to sort of figure out the logistics around all that. Um, so there will be one, uh, there will be an announcement who they are. Uh, do I want anything to do with it? Hell no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, um, traditional challenges of uh, holding a race here in Canada for a lot of organizations, not just Spartan alone, has been getting volunteers. How do you see that challenge this year, especially with the pandemic? Oh, you, boy. You, you yeah. likely need more volunteers than ever. That, that's the one that I'm losing sleep over right now. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because I know I can build a great race. I know we can hire a build crew who's going to do a great job. I know racers are going to come. Um, we've, over the years, had great volunteers but we've never had enough volunteers and I can remember maybe one or two races out of the 30 or 40 that I've done over the years 
that uh, that I was like, oh my God, we have enough volunteers. This is awesome. And I know that some of the American races, like SoCal for SoCal, for example, they, you know, their their problem is what do we do with these 700 people? Like, how are we going to keep them all busy? And uh, and um, I won't get into exact numbers because uh, um, you know there there was borderline not negligence, but just in terms of how could we ever decide to go ahead with an event with the number of volunteers that we had at Kimberly a couple of years ago. Um, and we did, and it was safe. It, it, it wasn't the super hot year, by the way, it was the next year. Uh, and, and it went off well, but, but it was just, it was, it was magic, good luck, and, um, and sheer grit that we managed to get our super off that weekend. With the number of volunteers, it wasn't 20% of what I would feel comfortable saying is the number that we need. Um, so that, that brings up two parts. One is that, yes, we'll need more volunteers than ever before, because in addition to all the things that we've always needed to cover, we have hand sanitizing stations, and we have making sure that people aren't uh, breaking rules and things like that. And, and, um, and we're going to have um, you know, staggered starts where, where that, that start shoot's going to have to be monitored, not just every half hour, but you know, consistently and things like that. Um, and we're going to be in a situation where a lot less people are, you know, if you're a diehard racer, you can't wait to get back out there. You're absolutely right. People just want to get out there. But if you're somebody who isn't a diehard racer and you may be still not in the mindset of leaving your apartment and, uh, you know, why are you going to sign up to volunteer for something that isn't your, 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 your core passion? And I, and I get that. So, so I'm already anticipating that it's going to be extra challenging. Um, but I also want to mention that the hardest part of all, so, um, Red Deer, Alberta, we know we're going to have good volunteers because, you know, it's a very established race in Red Deer. We've got Edmonton and Calgary, an hour on either side with the strongest race communities we have. Um, we know we're going to get that one. I'm not saying don't sign up if you're in Red Deer because uh, we, we, we need you. But um, but but that that's one that I, I'm not up at night thinking, how are we ever going to possibly pull off a race there? Um, Golden, BC, uh, that, that, that frightens me because I had the experience in Kimberley where anyone who's traveling that far to go to race is there to race, right? And, um, and as far as a local community, um, you know, we had Cranbrook half an hour away with 30,000 people who had not heard of Spartan Race before. And, uh, and now we're trying to get, you know, 200 volunteers for the weekend. And Golden's going to be even more of a challenge for that. It's a smaller community. Um, so, you know, we've got some ideas. Obviously, we go to the Hill and we say, hey, who are your seasonal workers who might be uh, off right now that want to uh, be involved in this? Um, uh, who are the, the service clubs, the Rotary and the Qantas and the dance clubs? And how do we go to the high school and get the kids to get the, you know, the seniors to get their volunteer hours who might not have them yet? We're going to be going after all those things, but, um, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely tricky. But what I would say is this. Um, and I love telling this story that uh, what I really recognize about volunteers years ago the assumption is that volunteers are doing it for the free race. They're doing it um, uh, because you know they they they're, they're trying to get something for it, and and that's a totally valid reason to do it. Don't get me wrong; I think that's terrific. I was in Temecula uh, January 2013 at SoCal, and I was there at five o'clock in the morning going to my first Spartan race as an employee. I was down there to train and see what was going on, and I saw this great big long line of people in the dark, and I realized, oh, they're the volunteers. And I stopped to talk to them just to say, hey, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for, you know, it's one thing that uh, I, I learned real early on from uh, Lee Goss, who was the director of international many years ago, is the idea that, you know, you're never, no matter how fast you have to get there, you're never too busy to pick up garbage and you're never too busy to say hi to people. 
and uh, very, very important. So I stopped and talked to these volunteers. And what I realized really quickly was how few of them were there because they were racers. They were all ages and shapes and sizes and uh, backgrounds. And, and what I realized was they were there because they wanted to be part of something cool and they wanted to make a contribution. It wasn't for the $4 t-shirt and it wasn't for the lunch that, uh, that you know, they got. It was because they wanted to be part of something really cool. And so from a volunteer standpoint, I do want to say to people that it is a really cool thing to be part of. And the racers appreciate you so much. You know, uh, one in a hundred racers is a bit of a jerk and, you know, yells at the volunteer that they, uh, they didn't give them the water cup fast enough. The other 99 of the racers are thanking the volunteers left, right, and center. Um, I know from a staff standpoint, I tell my staff that the volunteers are every bit as core part of the team as, as any one of us is, and that they need to be treated that way. And, and then the other great thing is if may, maybe you're somebody who Spartan racing isn't for you, but it, it is for your friends or, or your, your son races or your mom races or something like that. And you want to be part of it. What a great way to be part of it, to come out and then give her your race credit or give him your race credit. And, um, and then the other part of it this year in particular, our objective is to have the full offering at everything. We're going to have spectators. We're going to have kids. We're going to have trail. We're going to have hurricane heats. The reality of the earlier ones is it may very well be that they say you can only have 2000 people here on that day. And if that's the case, are we going to be able to have spectators? I don't know. Well, but hey, my son's racing. I want to be there. Awesome. Volunteer. And then, then you're there. You're, you're, you're at the event. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's funny. I remember running my first race and I think everyone who runs their first race does the math. They go, I'm just going to use round numbers. I paid $100 to race and I, there's 8,000 people here. They're making $800,000. And, uh, and so it's like, why would they need volunteers? And uh, boy, I can tell you the reality is as the race director who's spending most of my days right now pouring over uh, budgets and spreadsheets and looking at medical costs and insurance costs and labor costs and transportation costs and capital expenses. And, uh, you know, we, we, we will 100% for sure lose money at every race we do this year. There, there's no, no doubt about it. And so volunteers are always important as part of the business model. Um, but, um, but this year it's, it's, it's even more critical. So yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, and, and the, the avenues for that, obviously on the website, there's always an opportunity to, to, to register as a volunteer. I wish I could tell you exactly what it is. Uh, if, if you, if you type in Spartan Race Canada volunteers, I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, but, um, but also, you know, if you're, if you're watching this, it's probably because you subscribe to the social media channels and we'll be putting out calls there for sure. And, um, the other thing that I think is really key is if you volunteered in the past and enjoyed it, um, we definitely want you back and we definitely want you to bring your friends. And that's why I always tell my volunteer managers, my volunteer coordinators is identify who the super volunteers are, the ones that are just awesome, that are encouraging the racers that like, man, if I could have them here every year, I would. And then actually make that your mission to get them there every year. Make sure that you stay in touch with them, make sure that they uh, are recognized and say to that person, man, if I had 10 people like you, how do I get 10 people like you? So if you're, if you're a volunteer who's found it really enjoyable and you, and you love it, please become an advocate where you get your friends to come out as well. And um, I promise you that, uh, and come up to me at the races and remind me I said this, I promise you that making volunteers appreciated is one of my absolute number one priorities, like where you really will be glad that you're there. Awesome. Well, look, it's, uh, I think every race organizer out there this year has uh, got you know, their hands full with just trying to put on one race. So kudos to Spartan Race for trying to do uh, the five and, and bring in the obstacles and, and make those, uh, you know, consistent across the country, as well as the trail race, uh, bringing that into um, the uh, portfolio this year as well. So I know for myself, personally, I'm looking forward to getting out there to one or two races. 
and uh, just, you know, getting the, uh, the, the crates out of the bones, the old bones, and uh, just being out there and getting to meet people again and uh, catch up with friends like yourself and others uh, who we've made over the years. So I'm pretty excited about this year and really hope that you guys are able to pull it off. Cool. And I'll tell you, my TLDR from this that I'm taking away is uh, I got to look into prize money. I got to look into 400 pound tires and, uh, and I got, and I got to make sure we have these events so I can see you guys. That's what oh, I got. No, wait a minute on the 400 pound tires. I'm okay. If you leave those off. Of this, Claxton went first. So I got to listen to him. Yeah. I want 500 pound tires. The bigger, the better. I need every advantage I can get. That guy is too damn fast. <laughs> He's a quick one. There's no doubt. And, and, and you sure don't get him on the climbing ones either. That doesn't slow calm down a bit. Thank you guys. I appreciate your support. I appreciate everything you guys do. And, um, and I really do mean it that if there's ever an, another thing that you need me, if there's ever something that comes up that people are, are asking questions about and you want me to come back here and answer them, um, I'll always answer honestly. And I'll always, like I say, take it on the chin if I need to. Hey, well, we appreciate that, Johnny. And uh, so glad you're back in um, as, a, uh, as a manager within um, Spartan Race. Really looking forward to uh, seeing what you guys put on this year. But uh, more importantly, beyond that, just, just glad you're a great person. Um, like yourself is out there involved um, helping to push the sport forward. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I feel the same way yeah. about you. Johnny, I just <laughs> anyway. to say. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people uh, say Spartan's not great with their communication, not great with stuff, with stuff like that. And I just want to say from the community, I appreciate you doing this and being so upfront and honest, uh, answering what you can and just being honest about what you can. So thank you. That's great communication. We really appreciate it. Awesome. I'll keep doing my best. Okay. Cool. Right. Thanks guys. Take care, mate. Stay safe and, uh, We'll hopefully see you out there in the course soon. You will.